This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, September 6, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. However strong the case might be for student loan forgiveness, the case for the legality of the president doing it alone without congressional permission is another matter entirely. Cato's Tommy Berry details why he believes the Biden administration is on shaky legal ground in attempting to cancel billions of dollars in student debt. I spoke with Neil McCluskey about some of the policy elements of uh, President Biden's planned cancellation of student debt that uh, he has uh, chosen to undertake, but we haven't seen a lot of details yet. He's at least announced the outline of it. Uh, But notably, the Department of Education put out a, a document that sort of detailed what that agency or attorneys for Uh, the administration, at least within the education department, believe puts them on solid legal footing when it comes to trying to cancel all of this debt. Uh, How how rare is that for an agency to actually come come out uh, unprompted with uh, an announcement of, hey, this is we're on solid legal footing. The president can do this without uh, Congress. Congress has already spoken. We're we're good to go. It's pretty rare. This was the Office of Legal Counsel that wrote the longer of the two documents that they released. It's pretty rare for it to be released publicly and immediately. So the Office of Legal Counsel will usually provide advice behind the scenes, uh, give an opinion whenever the president is taking unusual or novel legal action or is considering taking that action. But the fact that they released this opinion on the same day that the policy was announced I think shows that they they know they have an uphill climb to make this case to the public and that it's not just that the the president who needs to be satisfied that this is legal. All right. So, uh one of the one of the problems with uh this debt cancellation or I should say problems with trying to challenge uh this debt cancellation is standing. Uh in in general do taxpayers have standing to uh challenge uh, even an unconstitutional Uh, assertion of authority to spend by the president? Generally not. Uh, The Supreme Court has set a a higher bar for standing and has required uh, injuries to be so-called particularized, which means even though every taxpayer does in general pay more taxes when funds are used illegally, the fact that it's spread out across the whole country means it's not particularized and focused on a few who have a special kind of injury. So for standing, we need to find someone who's not only been harmed, but been harmed in a special and unique way that doesn't apply to everyone. Okay. So what is the administration hanging its hat on in terms of legal authority uh, that the president says, "I, I can do this, executive action, no problem? So somewhat surprisingly, they're relying on a 2003 law called the HEROES Act that was passed during the Iraq War. And the intention, it's pretty clear when you look at the debates, was focused on military members, uh, concerns that when they leave for the military, they might not be able to make payments on their student loans, they might need deferrals, etc. So that was really the intent and the focus of the law was to allow the Secretary of Education to give some benefits to members of the military. But it does contain broader language uh, that it can be used not just for members of the military, but also for residents of disaster areas. And the legal theory here, uh, 19 years later, is that the United the entire United States has been declared a disaster area due to COVID-19, and therefore every resident of the United States is now eligible for relief under this law, not just members of the military. But the relief was not for 
everyone in the United States. It was for people who have borrowed money to go to uh, secure university educations. That's correct. And in fact, even among that group, only those making under certain income cutoffs, 125K for individuals or 250 for households. All right. So how does that change the analysis? I think it puts the legal reasoning on even shakier ground. So the administration is hanging its hat on language in the act uh, that says the secretary of education can modify or waive terms uh, for the purpose of ensuring that people in a disaster area are not put in a worse position financially in relation to their student aid uh, because of that disaster. Now, the theory is that essentially the entire economy has been harmed by COVID. Our mere fact of living in a country during the pandemic has harmed us all financially. And so therefore, giving everyone $10,000 in relief uh, would aid in the purpose of restoring us somewhat closer to where we were financially two years ago. I think the two big problems with that is that it reads out a part of the statute, first of all. It reads out in relation to that student aid and just turns it into an all-purpose uh, giving people money to help in the economy uh, statute, which is not what it was intended for. And second, even if you accept that reasoning, the income cutoff doesn't make sense because there's no attempt to argue that people above a certain income threshold haven't also lost money uh, during the COVID economy. So to hear the president tell it, this is targeted. Uh, it is targeted, as you mentioned, for people who are earning below $125,000 a year. There's a, there's a payment recap in terms of a fraction of discretionary income, according to the president. What about the people just above that line who find themselves unable to get uh, this relief that the president says, again, is targeted? Right. I think, although it hasn't been discussed much, I think they could be a creative uh, area where standing could be found, people above this cutoff. Essentially, they could argue that this was an arbitrary line that doesn't further the purposes of the statute or the administration's own proffered purposes of restoring people to their former financial status, um, and that therefore they would have an interest in sending the administration back to the drawing board on this relief, uh, even if a waiver isn't allowed, uh, even if debt forgiveness isn't allowed, perhaps uh, further deferrals past uh, the end of the year would, would be allowed. And whatever relief should be given, uh, it should be given to everyone regardless of income. So they could have standing, they could essentially argue that we have an interest in sending the administration back to the drawing board and putting forward new relief that doesn't have an income cutoff. Now, would a court be able to say your cutoff on this program is hereby abolished and now all these people qualify? Potentially. Well, that would be an interesting question. So suppose a court did say that uh, debt relief is allowed, uh, but the cutoff is not. Now, that in itself isn't certain. I think a court is more likely to say debt relief isn't allowed to anyone. But, but in that theory where they say it is allowed to everyone, uh, a court would essentially have to decide what's the best what's the best remedy do you uh, strike down the relief entirely and send the administration back to promulgate a new one or do you modify it i think the more likely thing is to send it back to the administration given that uh the administration has the ability to promulgate a new uh rule and essentially decide for itself what it thinks is the best policy what do you expect to happen here until the program is actually rolled out i uh, will we see lawsuits before then or do we have to wait until those details come out? 
I think we will certainly see lawsuits before anyone sees uh, their total balance changed. Once that genie is out of the bottle, it's going to be very hard to put it back in. So I think you're going to very quickly see people see lawsuits asking for preliminary injunctions um, to essentially put a hold on that until litigation commences. And I would guess that at least some district court in the country is going to be amenable to granting that, uh, even when the legal questions are uncertain, even if standing is uncertain, uh, on the grounds that essentially, if in fact this was illegal, then putting that genie back in the bottle will be relatively impossible. So better to have some time to think over uh, this issue before it's actually taken. And the administration may argue against that, but it's going to have a tough time given that it's already waited for two years of the pandemic before it's granted this relief. So it will have a hard time arguing that there's a pressing imminent need to grant it immediately now. So what do you expect to happen, at least in the in the short run? Do you, do you have a, based on the legal claims made by the administration and the likely avenues of attack for this program? If I had to bet, I would bet on this being struck down uh, by the Supreme Court ultimately. In recent years, the Supreme Court has been very skeptical of agencies exercising authority in areas where you wouldn't really expect them to. They struck down the CDC imposing an eviction moratorium because you don't really expect uh, an agency focused on health to get into housing policy. And this has the same uh, a core problem. This is essentially the Department of Education claiming that the sta a statute allows them to grant relief to members of the military and members of disaster areas. Um, you would expect that this stat that Congress would give that kind of power to perhaps Veterans Affairs, FEMA, etc. Um, under the major questions doctrine, which essentially says major policy is not and major powers are not to be lightly assumed given to uh, agencies you wouldn't expect. Uh, I think this this will likely be struck down on on similar grounds. Tommy Berry is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Please give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.